Welcome to the Orient Outlook Podcast, sponsored by HF Blaster, with myself, Stephen Nussbaum, and as always, I'm joined by my good friend, Southland Chump, the bearded legend, the one and only, the daddy-o, Mr. Paul Levy. Thank you very much indeed. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. This is episode number 228, and thanks again to everybody who tuned into last week's show. As you'll know, we were joined by Chairman Nigel Travis, the birthday boy, and also Matt Hiscock, the other voice of the Orient commentary, who were absolutely brilliant. The pair of them were absolutely fantastic. Matt with his stat, and Nigel just with his openness and his honesty and his transparency. This week, it's just us two. You'll be um, probably disappointed to know. It's just the two of us this week. Joining uh, joining us is nobody. Uh, but we've got two games to review. Uh, we've got a brilliant win against Newport County yesterday. Um, and also, lots and lots of fan views, as always. This is a podcast for Orient fans. So, I guess without further ado, let's crack on. And as always, we start with a word from our sponsor. Absolutely. So, our sponsors, as you probably know by now, are AJF Plastering, who are an Essex-based plastering and rendering company. They cover all aspects of domestic and commercial work. They specialise in silicone colour render systems and you must know this by now, ladies and gentlemen, the best part is that they offer 15% off for all Leighton Orient fans and staff. So if you're thinking, oh, that 15% off offer sounds too good to be true, well, it absolutely is. And you can get the info that you need by a variety of ways. You can go onto the AGF Classroom website at www.agfclassroom.co.uk. Or if you want to email the company, you can email them at outlook.com. You can go and visit AJF Plastering on social media. They're on Facebook and Instagram under AJF Plastering. And if you're on Twitter, just look for Big Ads LOFC and you can find Adam and the boys on Twitter right there. Absolutely. And that, that offer, as you say, is not too good to be true. That is a legitimate 15% discount. So uh, get involved if you're thinking about having some work done. I know Adam's booked up for the first quarter of next year. So uh, if you're looking to get some work done on your house you better get in touch with him pretty quickly. So one piece of AOB this week, and it is a quick shout-out to a friend of this very podcast and presenter of the Lowdown podcast, Julian Fern, who's currently in hospital suffering from the effects of COVID-19. Really sorry to hear that, Julian. And we here at the Orient Outlook podcast wish you a very speedy recovery and hope to see you very, very soon. Yeah, absolutely. Get well soon, Julian. So let's talk about the week that was down at the O's by starting off with course Monday, the 7th of December. And there was no news to report. It was a quiet Monday. It's episode 227 with Nigel Travis and Matt Hiscock was taking the podcast world by storm. <laughs> Record listens, I think, for, uh, for a lockdown <laughs> podcast uh, that was reached on Monday. And yeah, generally a pretty quiet week, but we move on to Tuesday, to Huey Tuesday, in fact, the 8th of December. And the main event of the day was Bristol Rovers at home in the second round of the EFL puppet, uh, EFL trophy, uh, with the team lining up as Sam Sargent in goal, Sam Ling, Jamie Turley, Dan Happy, Joe Widdison across the back with Craig Clay, Hector Kipriano, James Dayton across the middle and Jordan Maguire-Drew, Ruel Satoriu and Lee Angol made the final three up front. The substitutes for this one were Lawrence Vigarou, Josh Coulson, uh, Jordan Thomas, Josh Wright, James Brophy, Louis Dennis and super DJ Danny Johnson. 
So quite a few changes there from the last league game. There are in fact eight changes from the side who lost us going forward. Uh, one to talk about coming in, James Dayton, Jamie Turley, JMD, Liango and Rawson Siri amongst others. So your views when you saw that team, Paul, to face Bristol Rovers? Uh, yeah, I suspected that Ross would make a, a number of changes. I thought it was a good opportunity for the likes of Turley, JMD, Dayton to... Uh, you know, try and give uh, Ross a bit of a selection headache ahead of the weekend's game with Newport, um, but also for Liango Ruel Satoru to come back in and uh, and really get some minutes in their legs. I, th- I think although we respect the tournament and want to go as far as we can in it, I think we're using it as a good opportunity uh, to get minutes in the legs of players who maybe haven't uh, had that uh, and for players that actually need to uh, to prove themselves, I think, as well. I'm surprised... Josh Wright wasn't one of those. He's not. Uh, uh, he's a player that's not had that many minutes. Um, and maybe you know, my last view was that maybe I'd have rested Sam Ling, who's played quite a few games in recent time, and given Jordan Thomas uh, that right back starting place and give him some minutes because otherwise, what's what's he doing with us? You know. Yeah, I kind of felt the same really. Decent enough team though. If you look at that mm. team, that's a good squad team. I was surprised to see Dayton start over right like you just mentioned Josh Wright I thought Josh Wright in a central midfield position I would take over Dayton uh, for me but lots of options on the bench and like you if Thomas can't get into the starting 11 with a squad team then if I'm Daniel Farker at Norwich or anyone from Norwich I'm thinking well what's he doing there Mm. but you know we digress Samling's done well maybe he needs a bit more football only having recently really broken back in to the starting 11. Yeah. Quite a few news for an EFL trophy game. Obviously, lots of fans don't like the EFL trophy, understandably why, but still lots of views came into us at Foreign Outlook Podcast Towers. Rob MCC68 says, no interest in this B-team competition. I just hope everyone comes through unhurt and it's good to see Angol and Saturio getting some minutes. James O'Hagan said, it's nice to see some lads getting minutes. It's surprisingly stronger than I thought it would be. Um, I, I think the thing to keep in mind is that we literally have two first-team squads amongst our team. And obviously you can start to see where players are just not getting in the squad just because there are you know, so many good players. You know, the, the, the strength and depth has been questioned recently, but I think it's always been there. Maybe it's not necessarily shown itself in its truest form, but you know, we, we have 24 players, a 24-25-man squad. We have two first-choice starting 11s, even if the team that started yesterday... You know, if you put the the rest of the players in a game, you know that's also a decent enough side that you would expect to do good things. Rich P two four two said would have given right a start over Dayton and Thomas over Link. I assume Judd is still injured. Yeah, as far as we know, yeah. uh, Mr. Miles Judd's hamstrings are still causing him havoc to be out of sport. So we'll cover this one briefly, as we always do with the EFL Trophy games. As the match kicked off. On a freezing Tuesday night, and for the first time for this season, and for 275 days since the last match in front of a crowd, there were people there who were lucky enough to get tickets via the ballot. Absolutely. There wasn't really much to talk about. As Steve said, we're going to uh, cover this briefly. There wasn't really much to talk about um, until our League One opponents took the lead in the 12th minute. Ruel Satoru passed to Joe Widdison. Went straight to ex-low knee Zane Westbrook, who played the ball into Hanlon. 
Took a few touches before shooting and his effort was saved, but then that was spilled, unfortunately, by Sam Sargent. And Koiki followed up to tap home the rebound, putting the visitors ahead. Just 12 minutes on the clock, and I think Sam Sargent will probably be a little bit disappointed with that one. Steve, your views? Absolute gift. From our own goal kick, we can give the ball away. <laughs> Don't close Hanlon down, and then Sargent makes an absolute error on his mm. part don't want to be the first to admit uh, to give Koiki his first goal of the season believe it or not he won't get an easier goal than that so really disappointing basically Leanne goal headed just wide from a good Jordan Maguire drew cross in the 22nd minute but we levelled the score in the 26th minute when Jordan Maguire drew again passed into the feet of Satoru who flicked it behind to Sam Ling who was making a run into the box his pass come across into the area, took a deflection off Baldwin and went in just past, uh, sorry, went just past Jacola in at the near post and we were back on level terms. And I thought it was a bit of luck, uh, a bit of good luck on Sam's side for that one. So well done to Sam Ling for being industrious and driving forwards. Good goal. Glad, yeah, glad we had that. He deserved that. Good run from Sam. Mm. And, you know, scored at away Colchester and the goal was given to him. Um, Wilkinson and you're thinking oh that might go down as an own goal so hopefully Sam gets to keep that goal and yeah a bit of luck there but you always you know will never complain about Orion getting a bit of luck I don't think he did though Steve I think I think that was given as an own goal oh you're kidding really yeah there were two own goals in that match I think that no. was it so he scored two goals and not got any credit for either poor guy no, I'm lucky then Sammy boy <laughs> uh, it wasn't one for long though as Bristol Rovers really took the lead Shortly after, 29 minutes gone, a free kick from quite a distance out. XO's loan, Zane Westbrook stepped up. So we had him on loan from Brentford about three seasons ago. He didn't do much. No. He's got automatically promoted to Coventry City and he must have dropped down back to Bristol Road. He looks like a good player these days. Yeah. Took a great free kick from distance. Sergeant beaten, came back off the bar, smacked Sergeant on the back, bounced into the net. Would you believe it? Two are Bristol Rovers. Yeah, very much the luck on their side there. Sarge was unfortunate having had it bounce off his back. But he was remarkably um, sprightly to get across his goal and to get high. Um, I think if it had been goal bound, I think Sam would have had that covered. So yeah, and, and as you just rightly said, a decent, uh, decent effort from, uh, from Westbrook there, unfortunately. The only criticism I can give to that is that Sarge looked at it and gone, he's miles out, he ain't beating me from there. And he's only put two in the wall. So Westbrook's had the option of shooting. So if you look at the wall, yeah. it might as well have not been there because it's so far out. But to give Westbrook his credit, that's a hell of a free kick and we're unlucky there. So for the luck we had, it then disappeared um, shortly after. Yeah. The Rovers got their second goal. So Craig claiming close in the 40th minute with a decent half volley. And after playing two minutes of additional time, the teams went in at the break with the O's trade by two goals to one. Absolutely. That scoreline uh, in at half-time was witnessed by 574 fans, which I thought was a bit disappointing considering it was a test match where we could have up to 1,000 fans who actually, I believe, were, were given, the, um, were given you know, the ballot ticket and had to pay a tenner for that privilege as well because it's not part of your season ticket money. And for the club to go to all that effort to have over 40% of people then not turn up well, I don't know if they did sell a thousand tickets. I mean, that's that's the question. I very much doubt that 426 people paid to tenner and it didn't go to the game. Obviously, it's a cold Tuesday night. Mm. It's an EFL trophy game, 
and obviously there's still lots of people staying away from the ground due to the effects of COVID. So that was roughly where I thought it would be, if I'm being completely honest. I didn't think they'd sell it out, maybe a bit lower than what I thought, but I certainly don't think there was 520 people who paid a tenner and then did decide not to go on the day. Mm. Yeah, fair enough. So second half then kicked off. Ross did make a change. He brought on James Brophy in place of Joe Widowson. Um, and I think Ross said that post-match he took Widowson off because Widowson was carrying a little knock from earlier in the game. Fair enough. It's worth noting that Bristol Rovers changed their keepers at half-time too. And Jordi van Stepershoff uh, is now in goal. Uh, that's a great name amazing well name it makes it sound like one of those from not the far show but when like Paul Whitehouse and Harry Enfield when they did the Dutch police officer sketch I'm just kind of thinking if, if anyone can remember that I'm kind of thinking that's what that is but a uh, superb name I think uh, Bristol Rovers uses initials like we use JMD they use JVS if we had him as our keeper I would not be shortening that I would be calling him Van Stappershoff all the time <laughs> <laughs> great effort, great effort. <laughs> so we'll fast forward into the 52nd minute. We nearly equalised as we're else to you, cut inside and had a shot, but the wonderfully named Van Stapshoff made the save. He did. Jamie Turley was shown a red card, turning point in the game in the 54th minute for a dangerous tackle on Zane Walker that wouldn't have looked out of place in a Bruce Lee movie. Um, what on earth was going on in his mind to think that he should have his leg so high I mean it's good that he has that dexterity and flexibility to get his leg that high uh, for a man who's over 30 um, but I, I'm still staggered at that I've seen that so many times back uh, he's got a red card he's not going to play for the next two games or is it one game I can't see Jamie playing for us again this side of Christmas and then we've got the transfer window what, what do you think? I thought it was a really bad challenge the challenge of a frustrated footballer I would say um, Stonewall Red's card absolutely no need for it nowhere near goal and he's absolutely taken his man out quite disappointed in Jamie Turley because we've been lucky enough to meet him and he's a really sound bloke lovely um, Lovely guy. So it seemed really, really out of character. But he clearly follows through his man. It was a clear red. Yes, the Bristol Rovers players are all over the ref, but it was always going to be a red anyway. And if that's a challenge from an opposition player on one of our players, we're all going absolutely mental demanding the red. So no complaints from me for that one. Yeah, I I agree. I don't think Jamie Turley is that kind of player. I just think he's just had an error of judgment and possibly an element of frustration as well. But... I don't think he, yeah. he's never done that before and um, I, don't, I don't get the impression that he's that kind of guy. Um, the second O-sub of the game followed in the 61st minute because we made our first change at half-time. Lee Angle was replaced by Danny Johnson and our third sub came six minutes later as James Dayton was replaced by the aforementioned Josh Wright. Yeah, 70th minute, Hector Kipriani picked up a booking as he made a late foul on Kiyoki. Yeah, penalty shouts turned away by the referee after Danny Johnson was brought down by Kilgore. Danny Johnson went into the referee's book following his protestations on that. And I think, I don't know, it's one of those, isn't it? Where it could, you, on one day you'll get it and other days you won't, depending on who the ref is. Yeah, I've seen them given um, yeah. quite a few times. It's frustrating. It, you know, if, if we get the penalty, I'm not saying we would have scored it, but it's definitely a, a, a different slant on the game and if mm. we had got it scored it, then we could be talking about a completely different final 10 minutes but it wasn't to be 
six minutes of time were added on and played out. In the 92nd minute, JMD took over a free kick just outside the box. He whipped it in towards the top corner, but Van Schoef saved it and then easily saved it. Danny Johnson header a minute later and with that the full time whistle went meaning the O's were knocked out of the EFL Papa John's trophy in the first knockout stage yeah Ross Embleton's interview is available in full on YouTube and on the club's website and as this uh, is a Tuesday night's game we're not going to play uh, any excerpts from that so my views on that sounded like we had a good go at them in front of the first crowd of the season um, obviously as we've mentioned less than a thousand fans were there had Danny Johnson's penalty appeal, appeal have been given we've been talking about a different outcome sad that Turley made that red card challenge I'm sure he's disappointed too as he now misses really I think vital playing opportunities uh, I think he'd obviously have a lot of trouble dislodging Josh Coulson, who seems to be marshalling the back line with Sam Ling and Dan Happy and Joe Woodison extremely comfortably there. Um, and as he'd not been playing much, you'd have thought he'd have, you know, played his, at least given Ross that, that headache and played his way into contention. Not sure how many of the fringe players have given Ross enough of a selection headache for Saturday, which obviously is another opportunity blown for them. Um, picking up on James Dayton many have said he was quite anonymous throughout the games and I know there's the old adage that they need a run and uh, of games to show what they're about but <clears throat> when Jordan Maguire Drew comes on um, he does show that as he comes on as a sub he, he delivers that cross he makes himself busy he's having shots he's taking players on don't really see that from James Dayton and I know perhaps it's because he's coming from a slightly position different position on the pitch. Um, so, yeah, I don't quite know how... Maybe he's just not a 4-3-3 guy and maybe he needs to go to a team that is playing 4-4-2 because he's a out-and-out winger. Uh, it's, just, it's a shame because he does have so much talent as well. And he's another one with a birthday yesterday, uh, which we'll mention later. But for all the views we had come in about Sarge being poor, while he did make mistakes and he'll be disappointed... Again, it goes back to the fact that he's barely had any match time this season as Vigarou has been so good and really played a lot of the cup, cup games instead of him, um, which I think is really worth keeping in mind. But converse to that, we do need a number two who comes in and almost nudges the number one to the side for a couple of games. So again, Sam, um, we spoke to Dean Brill who said how well Sam trains and what a professional he is and how hard he trains in training. Um, so... It is a difficult balancing act and, and the players, you can't simulate live games in training. So that is the one difficulty there. But, you know, he'll, he'll look at that and he'll want to do better the next time he's given an opportunity. So on the one hand, it's a shame we're not in the next round of the cup. But on the other hand, it does mean it's one less Tuesday night fixture that we'll need to play throughout the rest of this tough period that we've got. Yeah, good points there about... Um maybe the lack of match game time. Obviously, there's no reserve team football anymore. So, we, if you would go back, you know, 10, 15 years, Sergeant, Dayton, Turley would all be playing reserve team football would be a lot fitter yeah. and more ready for when their chance would come. But obviously, that doesn't exist anymore. But for no. me, just poor keeping for the first goal, bad luck for the <clears> second goal, a moment of madness in the second half from Jamie Turley has really cost us. Um, and you've mentioned, obviously, Jamie Turley playing for Orient again and you know I hope that isn't the last we see of Jamie Turley in an Orient shirt because obviously he came to the club he won the league and I think he was pivotal for us in that season and he'd done well last season before his injury so I hope 
that wasn't his last game because he deserves to be remembered for more than that red card mm. on Tuesday night. Mm. Um, good to see Sam Ling involved in another go, although it sounds like he's not been awarded the goal. Um, but, you know, disappointing to go out the trophy. It would be a nice day at Wembley, but it's not the end of the world. Bigger fish to fry and a huge positive in having fans back in the stadium. So, disappointing result, but, you know, if we could, if you would have said to me last week, you're going to lose one game out of Bristol Rovers and Newport County and you're going to win one, what would you take? I know what I would say and I know what all, most Orient fans I know would say. And you're saying, lose Bristol Rovers. Yeah, fair point. Fair point. We had a huge amount of feedback after this match. So again, thank you to everyone who sent their views into our social media accounts. And again, we do try and read out as many as we can. But just because we read them, it doesn't mean that we agree with them. When we start up this week, uh, first up is Mr. JG Essex, who thought we deserved something out of the game, especially after making eight changes. A mistake by Sam and an unfortunate own goal uh, with a difference there. Rovers didn't look a league up from us. I think that's a really good point as well. They didn't really come and set things on fire. I know Tisdale's only been there a short period of time, but everyone waxes lyrical about Paul Tisdale and what amazing manager uh, you know he is. And no doubt he has his good qualities. But I didn't think for one second that any of those players were really trying to give him a selection headache against us for their game, you know, to be in contention to play their game tomorrow when really every place is up for grabs. They spanked Plymouth yesterday, mate. Mm. They're three uh, wins out of three now. And I think we need to say a big thank you to Mr. J.G. Essex, who we don't know, but he tagged us in his video, Jamie Turley's Challenge tweet, just after the challenge. So thank you for tagging us in that tweet, uh, we appreciate that massively. Steve Chaplin for tweeted us and said, thought we played well, even with 10 men. Gave away yet another goal, which has cost us big time. A stupid challenge by Turley. It was a red card all day long. Good football played. And on another day, we come away with a win. Ted Talks Orient kept it simple. He said he thought it was a good game and Ling was outstanding. Good to hear that. Good yeah. to hear Simon underscore J underscore Mills says, we played well. Passed the ball nicely and with intent. JMD impressed. Kipriani really is a good player. And Mob was my man of the match. Happy was so solid. And a nice cameo from Brophy. An entertaining game. And see you Saturday. Mark Ross 67185082 said, We held our own with a lot of positives. It hurts me to say it. I can see why JMD isn't starting. And Dayton just isn't up to making an impact. Lost every half challenge. Hector looks a real talent. And as for Turley, where's his brain? Find himself no favours. Done himself. No. That, I think that's meant to say done himself no favours. And I'm pretty sure he's supposed to say that I can't see why Jamie's starting and Dayton isn't up to the challenge. I think a few typos there, but we take him as we get him. Barry Twin said tonight was an opportunity for certain players to stake a place in Saturday's starting eleven. The only player to do that was Hector. JMD truly... Awful. He really now, splits JMD, opinion, doesn't he? JMD divides opinion like no other at the moment. I think he's a bit like Marmite. You're either rooting for him to be back in that squad or completely not. Um, like I said before, I think he's a good player. And in certain systems, I think he works really well. But I think in this Ross system of a 4-3-3, at best, he's a bench player. At absolute best. Because he's not going to get into the team head of Wilkinson. And he's certainly not a central midfielder. Mm. For me. Yeah, it's an interesting one. 
Yeah, no, it's definitely an interesting one. Les LK52 said he was disappointed to lose, but pleased with a good performance. And bizarrely, we played better with 10 than 11. I think that's always the way, isn't it? You always find teams play better when they're a man down. Hector was superb at centre-back, and the penalty was a stone wall. Ref had a clear view of it. He just bottled it. If we can take that performance into Saturday, I'll be happy. Well, obviously, Les had his crystal ball out Tuesday night. TV's a good performance against a League One team who weren't that much better than us. Good to be back in the stadium again. The sending off changed the game, and I thought at times we were the better side, even with 10 men. We're out of the cups now, so we can now concentrate on the league. And the final word this week goes to Daniel underscore D44, who thought we were a bit unlucky. Kipriano is absolute class and has to start on Saturday. Clay Happy, JMD and Angle looked pretty decent as well. The ref had a mare, missed a two-footed lunge and a blatant penalty on Danny Johnson. Nice to see the fans back at the home of football. So, some good views there. Yeah, brilliant. So, thanks to everyone who sent in a tweet to us at Torian Outlook after the Bristol Rovers game. If your tweet hasn't been mentioned, don't worry, we've got quite a few coming up uh, post and pre game in Newport, so you might be mentioned then. So, time to move on in. So, the design can be prediction league update so you, again you probably know this by now if you listen to the podcast regularly but the prediction league is sponsored by design cabby who specialize in company branding advertising print digital and logo design with all orient fans getting that famous 15 percent off discount mm. offer so you can find james on social media at design cabby so you can find him on twitter facebook and instagram and if you're not on social media but you're Interest has been piped by what you've just heard. You can email James at hello at jamescadby.com. So, well done then to the following people who all correctly predicted 2-1 to Bristol Rovers. You all get three points, but nobody guessed the correct score. So there are no bonus points awarded for this one. So, Speno011, Dave M1812, Mark R. Aldous, Dan Alton 2590, Orient Ballbag, David Landau 17, Dear Stew, and at East London XR. We'll do a full top of the prediction league table roundup at the end of this show. So Wednesday the 9th of December. So other than emails being sent out as winners of the ballot, this is the forthcoming home game against Newport. Again, a very quiet day. No news to report. Yeah, uh, Thursday the 10th of December, another quiet day at the club. I mean, this is a bit shocking, actually. Uh, But it was a busy day in the Jewish calendar as it was the first day of Hanukkah. So happy Hanukkah to all of those who celebrate. Good job, Mr Levy. (laughs) Moody Friday, the 11th of December. (laughs) And in one of the quietest weeks we can remember ever doing the podcast, there was absolutely no news to report again as tickets were sent out to supporters for the upcoming game against Newport County. I mean, there were a few tickets that weren't sent out and a few panicking fans, but I think, you know, from the looks of it, Danny Macklin and Jay Cook had that all under control. So let's move on into Saturday, the 12th of December. And a very happy birthday to the aforementioned James Dayton and his super beard. 32 years young from the star man playing on the right. His name is James Dayton and he's dynamite. (laughs) Youth team result. The young guys were in action away to MK Dons. And after losing twice last week, um, and we actually made it one of the negatives of the week, they must have listened to the podcast because they came out in that game and absolutely blew Milton Keynes away. They won 4-2 with goals from Brian Ifiani, Daniel Nkrumah, Jets Tanga. 
and Finley Lovat. That goal, Finley Lovat, was actually uh, posted on the LOFC Academy's Twitter account. Great goal. Well done, Finlay. Well done to young O's. Great to see you get back to winning ways. Same again next week, please, fellas. Absolutely. We'd love to be reporting on more Orient Youth Team wins. So the main event of the day was Newport County at home in League Two. And as always, on the Thursday before a game, we run a Twitter poll to find out how you think the O's will get on in this one. And after just 165 votes in 24 hours, the voting ended as follows. 28% thought a draw. 35% thought a win and closely just ahead by 2% on 37% an Orient loss as always thank you to everyone who took the time to vote yeah very 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 close there really interesting so at 2 o'clock the team was announced for the Newport County game in goal Lawrence Vigaru at the back Sam Ling Josh Coulson Dan Happy and Joe Widowson in midfield Ussise Joby McInerney for Craig Clay and up top, James Brophy, Danny Johnson and Connor Wilkinson. On the bench, we had Sam Sargent, Tunji Akinola, Hector Kiprianu, birthday boy James Dayton, Louis Dennis, Royal Soteriou and Lee Angle. That meant that Ross made one change to the starting lineup as Louis Dennis took his seat on the bench and in came Craig Clay. Um, for me, a solid side. I expect this to be a tough game. That we should do okay in with that with that team um, with McEnough in there with Johnson up there Brophy and Wilkinson up top back four decent Craig Clay back in with his industrious uh, play so yeah I was quietly confident about this one surprisingly I mean I can argue with that I think we've always on the podcast been firm believers at trying to keep a stable and consistent team so we've only one change and arguably bringing Craig Clay in which is a good move in my eyes over Louis Dennis. I, I couldn't argue with that. Lots of attacking options on the bench. Interesting to see still no JMD or Josh Bright on the bench. Very either. good point. But, I mean, that's that's what happens, isn't it? If you have a fully fit squad, as far as I know, it's only Miles um, Judd who's injured. So you've got twenty, roughly 20 players to choose from, barring the youth who've gone out on loan. There are players who are going to miss out, and Ross did allude to that in his post-match interview. So they need to work harder to get to get in the matchday squad. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's a funny one, though, isn't it? Because what have you got there? Akinola, defender. Kiprianu, defender and midfielder. Dayton, midfielder. Dennis, well, midfielder, attacker. And then you've got two strikers on there. I mean, if you're just right, you're looking going... Should I be ahead of Kipriano and Dayton? Well, only Josh Wright knows if he should be, and Ross. So, Josh mm. Wright probably feels quite aggrieved, I would say, looking at yeah. who's much ahead of him. If you're JMD, you're going, right, it's either me or Dennis. Really, yeah. really looking at it. And again, JMD knows what he needs to do in training. He needs to play better than Louis Dennis in training. That's what, that's, that's what you got to do, boys. You know, you can only have seven subs. Yeah, uh, yeah, unless you're in the championships, um, and obviously we're not. But you, you know, I don't know that Louis Dennis has done enough to 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 be ahead of JMD. So there must be a training. It must be a training intensity thing because you know Jordan's come on and and set up goals and and has looked very dangerous. So Dennis hasn't had anywhere near as good an impact. So you think that well, what's going on here? That I'm not trying to I'm not trying to make mountains out of molehills here, but just trying to understand what's why a player who has such an impact and statistically is one of our better players 
isn't even in the match day squad over someone who doesn't seem to have anywhere near as much of an impact, even if you take Dayton into consideration as well. So we'll have to ask Mr. Embleton when he comes on the podcast whenever we have the third outlooker back on the pod. So with every yeah. match day um, team announcement, loads of tweets into us or an outlook podcast tells our phones obviously start going mental and PM three one nine seven oh started it off by saying strong team. I would have started with Hector over Cisse, but I agree with the others. Ian Hutchinson, 08, said, For me, it's all about all of them putting in a shift for 90 minutes. The squad is good enough to beat anyone on their day. Good tweet that, Ian. Yeah. Gorillas, 1985. It's the strongest squad we have. Unfortunately for JMD, he's the sixth best in front three. And a player who doesn't defend enough to be a midfield player like Dennis and Dayton. It is good to see Clay back. Makes a fair point there. So the match kicked off on a chilly Saturday afternoon as the O's took on the league leaders in front of a, in front of the largest crowd of the season so far. Absolutely. We had yeah. our first big chance in the eighth minute as Craig Clay easily won the ball from the Newport County midfield. He drove forward, really done well there, played in a perfect ball to the oncoming James Brophy, but his shot from about 15 yards out went wide of the post and really... He should have drawn it to the back of the net. Yeah, I absolutely agree. He should have absolutely buried that. Laces through that into the bottom corner. Um, I think he must do better there. And I think he'll be disappointed that he didn't do that. I don't think he needs to be told that. But absolutely well done to Craig Clay for harassing the Newport uh, midfielder there, number 10, who seemed to be sort of turning around in circles. Looked like he was rowing with one oar a little bit. Um, the guy's made a, pose- uh, made, made a bit of a slip and, and Craig's nicked the ball off of him, gained the possession and driven forwards and set that up really, really nicely. So it's a shame we couldn't, couldn't take that, uh, that advantage uh, much further. Yeah, that's why I want to see Craig Clay do it more of. But to be fair, he's yeah. done that a lot during the game, getting the ball and driving the team forward. So let's get headed to the 20th minute and Newport County took the lead as a long ball forward was headed from midfield, went down our right-hand side. The ball was kept in play. I mean, there were applause for a throw-in, but the line was quite close to it, so it didn't go out. A daisy cut of a cross came in, came across our 18-yard line. Ball came to Jamie Proctor, still quite a bit out from goal, had a few defenders around him, but no one really pressing him. And he curled his shot into the back of the net, past Vigaroo, and then suddenly it was one to the visitors. Yeah, I thought that. Look, I've watched it a few times. To me, it still looks like a poor goal to concede. Nobody went to block the shot. Usise is standing there, a few yards away from him, waiting for him to take a shot. A couple of other defenders in and around the box. Everyone's just standing there watching. For me, that's a little bit Sunday League. It's quite shocking that we're not going out to, to close the angle down, to make it difficult for him, to put the man under pressure, to deflect the shot away. And instead, all right, maybe nine times out of ten, the guy doesn't get that, that shot on target or another player doesn't get that shot on target. But uh, here we are just standing there watching the guy take the shot and everyone just turns to watch the ball go in the back of the net. It's a bit ridiculous, getting a bit fed up with this laxidaisical approach, to be honest with you. I think you mentioned something similar last week on Stunford's second yeah. goal where you talked about Cissé and Connor just kind of watching the guy wind up to shoot. Yeah, and, <laughs> and they didn't did. stop it. <laughs> they didn't block, they didn't put their foot out or anything. Yeah, I'm you're right, of, absolutely. I'm in the camp of our defence weren't very reactive then, but I'm also looking, looking at a goal thinking Vigaru should do better. And I don't know if I'm being harsh to Vigaru. I, I said the same last week, and Vigaru's been immense, don't get me wrong. 
but I think I don't know. I need to see it again from a, a different angle. I've only seen it from the standard angle, and I'm surprised Vigor gets beat there. Um, but look, it is what it is. We didn't defend it well enough. The defenders didn't get out quick enough. Vigor for me doesn't get across his goal quick enough, and we're a goal down to the league leaders. We've got a habit of going one a goal up and then seeing games out from any stages of the game. So we had it all to do to pull it back. 29th minute, a clever flick off from Craig Clay, played Danny Johnson for on goal. He managed to get around the keeper, ended up going to ground and the chance for Strayson Lee was gone. Yeah, 36 minutes on the clock now and Newport had the opportunity to double their lead but Proctor put his effort high and wide. Two minutes later though, Danny Johnson shot over the bar following some good work from Joby McEnough. Going back to that Proctor effort, he should have buried that should have been 2-0 and if it was 2-0 then it would have probably been game over um, but you know you need these little bits of luck in, in games and we were lucky there 42nd minute Liam Shepherd hit his effort wide hit the side netting when again maybe he should have done better there and one minute of injury time was played out half time whistle win with the O's trailing the league leaders Newport County by goal to nil I have to say just going back to their goal it did look like for me from the angle that I've seen it at which is most people that weren't at the game's angle, it did look like that went out and the guy's foot was well out and he's brought that back in. But obviously we didn't get that, that throw-in. So I think that's a little bit of a misjudgment on the referee's part. Uh, half-time comments came in. Quite a few of you uh, took the time to message us. Uh, we've got three here um, that we're going to mention. Now, dear Stu said, for the love of God, please get Cissé off, Ross. He's been absolutely shocking. He looks unfit and disinterested. Defensively, we've been awful as well. We normally only put one tweet in per person, um, per episode, per podcast. Deerstu tweeted us post-match, so we'll come to Deerstu um, at full-time. Alan Reeves, too, said, Who has been coaching this LOFC defensive unit? They appear to only be able to move backwards and let the opposition have the ball in acres of space. This could get embarrassing. Orient Orientitis said, uh, sorry, Orient is says, I was worried after discovering the ref was the same as the Grimsby game, and I was right to be. We've been victims of several fouls and not given. Newport go to ground after losing a fair challenge and get the foul. Benefit of being on top, maybe? Wouldn't have thought so. So the attendance was announced at 1,734. So obviously 2,000 places up for grabs in the ballot. 1,734 turn up. So well done to all the brave souls who braved that game. Again, another cold, horrible December day. But lots of people tweeting and on social media and texting about how happy they were to be back in the ground. So the second half kicked off. No subs for the O's. And in the 52nd minute, James Brophy did well on the left-hand side. His cross was headed at goal by Josh Colson from close range, but straight at the keeper. We came out for the second half. We looked like we wanted to get them. We looked like we had the the bit and the desire between our teeth. It was a really good start to the second half, and Josh Colson was quite unlucky there. Yeah, I agree with you. I think the keeper's done well to make the save, and it was a good header from Josh. And uh, Daddy Johnson, I think you can tell uh, from the after aftermath of that save that uh, he he also thought you know that was that was destined to be a goal and how the keeper had saved that, so it was a bit cat-like reflex. But we're going to fast-forward five minutes to the 57th minute. Sam Ling had plenty of space on the right-hand side, crossed into the penalty area. Unfortunately, nobody there, nobody attacked it. Yeah, I mean, we normally wouldn't mention such a minute period of the game, but at that point, we were a goal down at Newport County. We were already playing for time. It looked like it was going to be a long struggle to get back into it, even though we started the second half well. But Ling has done so well there to make his run. 
He was in a really good position. He puts the cross into the box. Really good cross. And no one's there. Like, it's in the air for a long time. And you're like, where's Johnson? Where's Wilkinson? Where's Brose? Like, no one attacked it. Um, so, a bit disappointing there. However, just five minutes later, we weren't disappointed as the equalising goal came. It's James Brophy done well on the left. He passed to Craig Clay, who got his shot away. He deflected up in the air. Derby McInerney reacted quickest. He got his head to the ball, fell into the path of Danny Johnson, who was on the edge of the six-yard box. He made no mistake as the fox in the box smashed the ball home to make it one and suddenly it's game on. Yeah, although I think that we've put... Oh no, yes, absolutely. So I th- Sorry, I was, I was thinking of the second goal. Excellent goal. Absolutely fantastic goal. Good to see that we were alert. Good to see that we were winning the second balls. And I thought that, that generally... I thought, we, you know, we were on the ascendancy here and it was good to mark that with a goal. Yeah, it was deserved for the pressure we'd put on in yeah. the second half. We looked like a different team. Newport looked like they're just knacking themselves out and they just couldn't cope with Brophy, who was consistently bombing forward. Clay was getting behind them. Suddenly, the midfield were winning the 50-50 battles. We see, they look like something has happened to them half-time where... You know, the lazy and the disinterested Oos had gone off and the Oos of last season had come out and wanted to prove a point. So we had started much, much better. 65th minute then, memorable moment. Didn't lead to anything, but Lawrence Vigoro sent the ball downfield with a low goal kick. And the other young Joby McEnough, out the burners, sprinted past Lewis, won an important free kick for the O's. Now, obviously nothing comes from the free kick, but you all would have seen that on social media. The pace of 39-year-old Joby McEnough outgunning his man. Not for the first time this season as well. And it's something here that we just love to see. Yeah, absolutely. He's he's put those burners on and he's absolutely busted a lung to get there. It's an unbelievable sprint from Joby and he's won the free kick. Uh, right there and their man got booked for it I mean that's true leadership really leading by example and it just shows that we've come out this second half this is going to be our half and you could sense that something good was going to come yeah nicely done and the O's did make it 2-1 in the 70th minute as Dan Appy played a long ball towards Danny Johnson it caused confusion amongst the Newport defenders the ball came to James Brophy managed to control it looked up saw he had an opportunity to get his shot away took the half volley on ball flew into the back of the net from inside the 18 yard box and the O's 2-1 up yeah, a good, another good goal. You know, that all started from Sam Ling's... I mean, I didn't put it in the note, but it's Sam Ling's throw from inside our half goes to their player who kind of lifts it towards in, back back towards us. And then on first time, Dan Happy's just launched that forward. So, um, you know, a bit of luck. You know, everyone needs a bit of luck. And I think that that's gone our way quite well. And, and we've ended up, um, you know, we've ended up getting that in. So it's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, much deserved there. And you can tell Brophy wasn't looking for Danny Johnson. Like he was just had one thing in his mind, yeah. like put the ball in the net and he'd done it. Good to see Brophy get another goal now. I think it's two yeah. in the last four, I think, because he scored the winner against Port Vale. So really good there for James Brophy adding goals to his game as well as assists. So that's something that we do want to see. 73rd minute in, four minutes later. If this was a Newport podcast, this would probably be the big talking point. Mm. Newport were disallowed an equalising goal as exo Tristan Abrahams out-muscled down happy to the ball, finished past Lawrence Vigoury from close range, but the referee's assistant ruled it out for a foul on Dan Happy. If I'm a Newport fan, I would feel very aggrieved, because for me, 
the man Abraham's just out muscles happy and happy's not strong enough <laughs> and that should be a goal quite yeah, frankly <laughs> I don't see a lot wrong there to be honest with you no neither do I and if that was the other way around and that was us I'd be absolutely livid uh, I think Dan Happy needs to do a bit better there I think he needs to be goal side of him for a start um, it's just a mix-up and we've got extremely fortunate there. No wonder why the Newport uh, manager was so um, irate at the end of it, apart from the aggravation that he was getting from uh, a, th- a few chosen Orient fans who shall remain nameless. Uh, those of you uh, who were there will know exactly who we're talking about. Um, but yeah, I, I think that uh, I, I absolutely sympathise with them. But you know, at the same time, absolutely delighted that that, that hasn't been given because that means yeah. that we're able to walk away with three points rather than one. Yeah, it was at that point I knew we were going to win the game. Absolutely like it agree. It wasn't, it wasn't a nervous ending at all for me. 83rd minute, Lee Angle came on for Connor Wilkinson. Got to 90 minutes and nothing to talk about. 90 minutes... And the referee, well, the referee's assistant, everyone's been amusement, put up seven minutes of added time. He did. On he the board. He did, yeah. A bit of a strange one. That 91 minute, 90 plus one minutes, Ruel Satoru came on for James Brophy as the O's head at, held out for the remainder of the match and the full-time whistle went. As the league leaders, Newport County, were defeated with the O's winning the game 2-1 to leave the crowd ecstatic and for rocking all over the world to blare out over the tannoy system. Fantastic. So Ross Hamilton spoke to Dave Victor after the game and we'll take a little paragraph of what Ross said. He said, I think we did deserve that in the second half and I think that we've done, we've shown ourselves and everybody what we can do. What we can do when we're at our best and we have to be at our best to beat teams like that. When I say second half, I thought we were relentless in our approach. Even in the first half, we had our moments. We just looked under a little bit of pressure because of how we managed the game. The message at half-time was we want to improve that and I thought the boys were excellent. So that was a small snippet there from Ross's interview. You can catch the whole interview on the club's official YouTube channel. I don't know if anyone's clocked this, but Ross Embleton's word of the day seemed to be relentless. Ross, relentless. He mentioned that word about four times in his opening minute of his uh, interview there. So, Ross, Mm -hmm. stay relentless, mate. Life's interview. Yeah, brilliant. Love it. Absolutely love it. Uh, so that that win uh, reflects on the league table now as we're back amongst the playoff places as we move up to seventh in League Two, having now played 17 games. We've won eight of those. We've drawn three and only lost six. Uh, we've got a goal difference of positive six and we are now sitting pretty with 27 points on the table. And I'm really looking, I'm looking at the league table as we speak now, and it's looking very, very nice. You know, we've got what we're a point behind Colchester, three behind Exeter, who are fifth, five behind Forest Green and, uh, and Carlisle, who occupy, Carlisle occupying the final auto playoff place. And it's a little bit tight at the top with Cheltenham on 33 and Newport on 36 so there's a lot still to play for with 17 games in obviously but it's very very tight and congested I think at the same point there Mr Levy you have to look below us and see Salford I think who are 8th and they've played a game less so obviously still a long way to go but I think I think you know 17 games in given the Covid scare that you know without doubt knocked us out of our tracks um, earlier in the season I think after 17 games to be in 7th place have a a striker on 14 goals to have Connor I think with also quite a high amount of goals I think he's got 9 hasn't he I think he's very very good for this point of the season a vast improvement on last season 
which is what we all six, um, six wanted in the league. To, I think they had a few more in cups and trophies. Yeah. So, yeah. Really, let's, give us your views on that amazing win over Newport County. I absolutely will. Absolutely. Um, yeah, unbelievable result as I wrote as I wrote my uh, some of my views. I think it's a brilliant, brilliant result. I was absolutely delighted with that. Uh, again, another tale of two halves here. We're talking about first half that wasn't great and a second half that was unbelievably amazing. Uh, we just need to find that level of consistency, like Ross said in his last post-match against, I think it was Scunthorpe, where he doesn't want us to be a win three, lose two, draw three, win four. He, he wants that level of consistency, and I think we're going to need to get that in games. We shouldn't really be starting out games, least of all at home, least of all in front of fans who everyone's been desperate for, for, for the fans to be there. Um, you know, it's good. It's, it would be much better if we can just find that level of high consistency. Um, and in the second half, Joby McEnough showing uh, exactly how a captain should should lead, really, with that um, with that blistering um, counter attack. Uh, standout performances, I thought Joby, James Brophy, and Craig Clay to name three, but I'm sure there are others that also um, stood out as well. We showed real grit and determination to come back from that goal down. It's never easy. It's a bit of a mountain to climb, most of all against the league leaders who are very difficult to beat. Um, Ross and the staff deserve credit for the setup and the substitutions as well. And uh, I think, aren't the weekends just so much better when Orient have won on the Saturday? I agree. I agree. I think for me, I think that was a very big second half because at 1 0 down, you can see from a few of the tweets where we get in, people were concerned. I think it's been quite rightly highlighted at points. We haven't beaten any teams near the top of the table. We've beat the teams below us. So I think it was a big second half that was needed. And again, don't know what Ross said at half time, but they almost came out like a different team. You know, questions were being asked and they've been answered. You know, it could be a very big point in the season. The players definitely stepped up. Three in particular, who I thought were immense in the second half, particularly. I thought Craig Clay was not only good at winning the ball, which is what he does anyway, but really also very good at driving the team forward, which hasn't really been Craig Clay's game. Mm. Um, and he took a few shots on that I haven't really seen Clay do before. So I was happy with that from Clay. I thought Brophy, every time he got the ball, he looked dangerous. Second half, he sets up Coulson's header. He's involved in the first goal uh, in the build-up play to get the ball eventually, which forced Danny Johnson. And also... McEnough that we've obviously spoken about who's obviously going to get lots of plaudits for the run but also you know he's that experienced head he's that calm head as well leading by example driving us forward so everyone put in a shift good to see Johnson get another goal in the defence spoken about many times you know the Ling Happy Coulson Willows in defence that defence has been together now for three four years they know each other's game they all look comfortable and if we could find just a little more consistency you know, like you said, we could make a real, real push for the playoffs. Only 17 games in. I think there's teams who are going to fade who are up there currently. I think there's teams around the table who are obviously going to come good at some point. We just need to make sure now we start winning more than we lose um, to still be up there. But as it stands, very, very happy. Um, and you can't ask for more than a 2-1 win against a team in Newport County. We've only lost two games so far this season and who have been very, very hard to beat. Yeah, very good. Very, very, uh, very well put. Uh, again, we had a load of views that came in after this match. So again, thanks to everyone who did take the time 
uh, to send us their views. And again, just, just to note that just because we're reading them out, it doesn't mean that we agree with every single one of them. Joe Jessner kicks off this game and he said the performance of the, of the last two seasons, the combination of the blood and guts performance and the ballsy tactic of the high press against the league leaders. I've been quite a critic of Ross, but this is now something of a mandate for him. Yeah, good point there. Yeah. I did like the high press. We, I did notice we were pressing higher uh, and quicker up yeah. the pitch. Definitely Craig Clay was working on. At both seasons, so not great first half, but what a reaction. In the second, Joby, wow, wow, wow. Great at Clay back. What a great finish from DJ. And even better from Brophy to beat the league leaders. Having fans back help with getting back into this game. Most, sorry, must build on this up at Morecambe. I think, yeah, if that was behind closed doors, it might not have gone... In on its favour, I think the crowd definitely, definitely did, did play an aspect in that game. Mm. Definitely. Orient Meat Pie said, second half was bloody brilliant, absolute class. Great to hear the fans back, proud of the team. For the first time, we've shown we can mix it with the best teams. Never been happier to get a prediction wrong. Underscore Shivam Patak, it's a massive win. Something for them to play in the second half. So you say it was excellent after the break. Brophy too. Clay fantastic. The whole game actually gave Lawrence almost nothing to do later on. And of course, only needs one chance. Fully deserved. Get it. Richie J. Bourne said, great second half. Joby plays and runs like a 20-year-old. Brophy redeemed himself with a great goal after the first half miss. Gary Talbot 7 said, streetwise performance, monkey off the back against higher sides, which was crucial at last. Brisbane Road is becoming a fortress again. Parksy 1881 said, gritty, passionate, awesome. Joby and Craig Clay were immense. Can we now dispel the thinking that teams above us are untouchable and that this league is a very open one? January will be more and more interesting. It absolutely will. Luke underscore T7 to such a great win. Joby was excellent, but off the ball and on the ball. I thought DJ was incredible. I put that performance up there with his hat-trick the other week. Back in the playoffs, get him. Speno 11 said, wow, what a complete second half by us. Fully deserved that every player gave their all and played to their full potential. Proves me, uh, proves we may now be the real deal. Joby's run to win the free kick said it all and set a great example to the team. Must say, fans were a credit. Great noise. Yeah, good tweet there from Spenner. Vince Howard, 73. So less than about the first half is better, but the second half was great to watch. Good to see the opposition struggling to get out of their half, especially when it's the league leaders. Agree with you. And here we go, Molly Folly 2019 said a reward for a great second half effort for a refreshing change. He's been quite critical of Ross and the team. Uh, I think that's pretty much well noted on, on social media. Forced a couple of Newport errors and made them pay. Credit where credit is due today. Joby and Danny were outstanding and let's give credit to Cissé today. He woke up in the second half and showed some of last season's form. Nicely done there from Darren. Nicely I don't see eye to eye with Darren Ross most of the time, but at least Darren, when he's you know, when there's a good result, can come on the pod and say good result. Unlike our friend Billy Carroll, who wins a win, you do not hear anything from Billy Carroll. Give us a tweet at Orion underscore Ed. Support up until our first goal, and then we look the completely different outfit. Got away with one regarding a disallowed goal. Not a foul from where I was. Still, I'm not moaning. And it was great to be back inside Brisbane Road. Now, Orient Ed, I'm sure you weren't disappearing for your pint five minutes before the full-time and half-time whistle. And I hope you enjoyed yourself from the east down. Yeah, there was no bars open, so he couldn't have done that. Matty LOFC Evans said a clay masterclass today. Two goals against top opposition and another three points. 
Today was a real statement to the rest of the league that we are competing for playoffs minimum and not to make up the numbers in the league. Good point, Dan Alton, 2590. So at half time, I couldn't see us getting anything out of the game, but that was an excellent second half performance and a fantastic result. The best of the season. Honestly, I was just so happy at the final whistle back home and the boys delivered. Trousers Techno said, we, now, we know how to win at this level based on the second half. Better tempo, move the ball forward much more quickly, aggressive and close down Newport County much more so that they had little of their play in our half. Same again every match, please. And if so, we definitely finished top seven. Much improved. Yeah, good points there. Well, mate, Dave M1812 said, first half, too many players below par. Second half got better and better as the game went on. Epitomised by Jovi and Nat Run. With that, I finally started to believe, and all credit to the crowd, they really pushed them on and showed what has been missing. Uh, Pandemonium1881 said, Still not sure why most are lamenting the first half performance. Yes, the second period was much better, and yes, we played poorly for 20 minutes of the first, but for 70 minutes, we were the better side and fully deserved the victory. Pressed them high very well, mixed up passages of play, drew fouls in the right areas, kept the ball well. There were times we were a little naive and gave the ball away or showed them too much respect, but you can't have it all. From 1 to 11, a very solid performance. Man of the match, Craig Clay, who was superb for a whole 90 minutes. So I mentioned at half-time that we had a, uh, a tweet from Dear Stu, and like I said, we don't really put in multiple tweets from people. So Dear Stu tweeted us at full-time. It said, chalk and cheese in terms of the first and second half performance. Second half, we stuck it right up there, and they didn't like it. <laughs> Clay, for me, was outstanding for the whole game. I tweeted at half-time about how poor Cissé was first half, but he did put in a shift second half, and he finished his tweet by saying, is Joby really... 39. Yeah. So you're only as young as you feel, mate. I'm only 40, mate, and I would love to get back on that pitch and, and, and you know, run as fast as I could and want to get anywhere near him. So, Joby McEnough, well done, mate. Yeah, Very nice. absolutely. Amazing. He really is, although he'd love you for saying that. Uh, <laughs> at Essex Biz says, absolutely delighted for Ross and the players. Today we've showed everyone what we're capable of. However, we now have to go in search of better consistency. If we're to challenge for promotion, we need to put in a run of seven or eight unbeaten. That's a great great point now the worst we could do we're all sitting here on a Sunday night excited the worst that could happen now if we go to Morecambe and get turned over 2-0 or 1-0 that would be just you know yeah. half the pay Orient Sphincter it's an enjoyable performance particularly in the second half our front players are a match for anyone once the shackles come off go out of jail with the disallowed goal but deserved the win we look a lot better side with Craig Clay in it yes we absolutely do Wheeler Dennis a brilliant result it was a real privilege to be there today, but what was Usain Bolt doing on the pitch? Although he did look like Joby, what a player. Great effort from all the player staff and all the backroom boys to make the whole day enjoyable and extremely safe. Yeah, good to hear that. Ed, Ed Jones, 1976, as I've said it before, and i say it again, on our day, we can beat anyone in this division. The settled side has won as Joby is a freak of nature, and boy, do we look better with Craig Clay in the team. El Castanetto said, Better, best second half I can remember for some time. Total control in possession, solid at the back. Massive credit to Leighton Orient too for great game day experience. Easy and friendly, it's great to be back. Orient, ball bags, great to get back over the O's yesterday. This was obviously a tweet from today. Cissé had a poor first half by his standards, but second half we got the real Cissé. Clay, 
Joby and Johnson were excellent. And credit to Coulson, who's been steady and constant all season. Biffy Prop said Saturday, lose away to a side who has not won at home all season. Tuesday, exit a cup competition before Christmas. Saturday, come from behind to beat the league leaders. Is this the most late in Orient week ever? <laughs> Love it. Love it. AC Swim said, the performance show, there's a lot to look forward to this season. We have players in all departments that can mix it with anyone else in the league alongside experience and depth in the squad. And the final word this week goes to Stroud Greeno, who's back at Brisbane Road for a top-of-the-table opposition. Three points coming from behind, superb performance and an entertaining game. Today was always going to be special, but don't think it can get much better than that. What a tweet to end on. So thank you to all the tweets that came into us. Those were all tweets that came into us at Orient Outlook. And let us know if you agree or disagree with any that we've read out. You can tweet us at Orient Outlook. You can email us at orientoutlook.com. We are on Instagram, orient underscore outlook underscore podcast. And we are on the Facebook at Orient Outlook podcast. <laughs> the Facebook. Uh, an update then for you then. The Design Cabby Prediction League is as follows. And a quick reminder that actually you can catch James on social media. He is at Design Cadby. That's Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. And if you're interested in what James has to offer you, he is hello at jamescadby.com. That is his email address. Hello at jamescadby.com. So... A lot of correct predictions yesterday, mm. very in uh, scoring. So well done to Tim Scales94 at London Gary W and at DSG. They all predicted 2 1 but didn't get a score, so they all get three points. Well done to uh, Alf Wellington at Wadsey, Gorillas 1985 at LFC Teresa at Paul Skinner 88, at Pills the Dome at PDR 1112 at Oxooch at the Authentic Gaz. And at Big TV 47, they all predicted 2-1 and one scorer, so they get four points. But wow. huge, wow. well, massive kudos wow. to Chris W underscore one. He predicted 2-1. He predicted Brophy and Johnson to score. He took the maximum five points. Wow. So well done to Chris. So that means the top of the prediction league, the table is starting now to separate. We've had a lot of people uh, tied up in the top three places now. People are starting to pull away. So 19 points leading the prediction league at the moment is Dan Alton, 2590. Chasing him with 17 points is Wadsey, who won the first ever prediction league. So Wadsey's been there. He's done that before. He won't be feeding any pressure. And breathing down there next on 16 points, we have B Cross 95, David Landau, 17, and at George Girk. So a massive thank you for all your predictions over the last week. Absolutely. So that completes Saturday's game against Newport County. So we'll move on to Sunday the 13th of December. Today, as we record this podcast, a very happy birthday to Orient Chairman Nigel Travis and also his son, an Orient board member uh, and responsible in large parts for the streaming quality that we get, David Travis. So a very happy birthday to both of you, gents. Hope you've had a good day. Absolutely. So the ladies team were in action today. They were in the first round of the FA Cup. They were playing Actonians at their new AFC Hornchurch home. And a bit of a dramatic game this one. The O's went down 1-0. Uh, it got to 90 minutes. It looked like we were crashing out of the FA Cup in the first round. But there were two goals in the 90th minute from Eagle Trezzy and Scarlett Smith. The O's won the game 2-1 to secure their place in the second round of the Cup. Now, these goals were tweeted just before we started recording. An Eagle Trezzy taken absolute belt, absolute peach of a curler wow. into the top corner. And if that isn't 
you know, amazing scoring that in the 90s minutes, get your level. We didn't win the ball uh, from the kickoff, take it up the pitch, and Scarlett Smith smacks the ball into the net from a great cross, win the game 2-1, so well done to the ladies. And the reserve team were also in action, uh, and they've moved up to third in the reserve division, South East, just a point away off the top spot. They won 2-0 against Cambridge United Development with goals from Lucy Anexo and Sinead. So well done to the ladies all round. I think a fantastic day for the ladies. Absolutely. Those goals are on the Orient Ladies um, Twitter feed. That's OrientWFC uh, is their Twitter handle. And Check them out. Absolutely. Take about that. Uh, Eagle, that is a tremendous goal. And kudos uh, to you too. So we're just at the hour, four minute mark now. So let's wrap this week's show up and we'll um, just wrap that up with the fancy football update. Billericke Dickey is top of the Orient Outlook podcast fancy football league ahead of Danny Bowden, who is in second place. Steve, you're not doing too bad. Although if I remember rightly, you have dropped a bit. You're 47th out of 297 players. These... Uh, the league tables are absolutely all over the place because it doesn't update until the day after. So it's, that's only from like four fixtures yesterday. So I'm sure the table will change again. That's correct as it stands um, up yeah, until that I think this morning. That won't take into account the fact that Arsenal have just, just lost at home to Burnley 1-0. Oh, man. And Leicester have beaten Brighton 3-0. Um, oh, while we've been on, while we've again. been recording, and prior to us recording, Liverpool drew at home, uh, drew away to Fulham, and Palace drew one all with Spurs. But Southampton beat Sheffield United three 0 So yeah, it probably won't take into account those games. But uh, yeah, and Arsenal so were down to ten men as well. Check out the table um, on the prediction league um, later in yeah. the week. Whenever you get a chance, a time for positives and negatives of the week. Then, so I love positives. Um, last week so Mr Levy yeah let's do that then so one big positive obviously having the fans back now uh, often the 12th man um, in the uh, in the heat of battle beating the league leaders I think that's a massive kudos for us I think it's proved a lot of people that we can compete with the very best in this league and you know Newport are up there lower budget no question or a doubt about it, but Flinney has, uh, has got himself a, a decent side together there. And we're back, off, we're back in the playoff places. Granted, there are teams around us like Salford and, um, and Cambridge who, don't, uh, who haven't played as many games as us. But, you know, I'd rather have points on the board than games in hand. Yeah, absolutely. So there are three positives there. We've got two negatives this week. The first negative is being out of the EFL trophy. So like we said, some fans don't take it seriously not interested in it but it's still a route to Wembley that we all would have you know been cheering the O's on had we got there so we are out the EFL trophy and the second negative is the red card of Jamie Turner you never want to see a player going uh, like that let alone your own player who you know you've come to respect and, and, and Bill was a good player so a negative for us there is the Jamie Turley red card so three positives two negatives time is to move on to the hero of the week yep Absolutely. And this week, I mean, we had a bit of a head-scratcher of a week this week, didn't we? Because the, um, you know, the, the players on the pitch were obviously in consideration. With Last week's Heroes of the Week were the uh, team uh, at the club behind the scenes that were getting everything ready for us, us to return. But this week, we thought a little bit out the box and we're going to give it to... So well done to all the fans who have been at the Games uh, since... Returning, so you know, massive kudos to them. It's cold, it's horrible. There's health concerns. No one knows what's going on. No one knows what to expect. It's football, but not as we know it. So for those fans to go back 
in their numbers. I think they was 574 on Tuesday night, 1734 yesterday. So we yeah. give kudos to them. I mean, we could have given it, you know, to Joby for his effort, but you know that's what we expect now from Joby making up without being disrespectful to Joby. Could have given it to Danny Johnson if he had another goal. Could have given it to Brophy again, but we think the fans deserve some credit there. Um, the fans were lucky enough to be able to get back into football because you know we we are privileged to be in that position of able to go and see matches. And not there aren't many clubs uh, who are able to do that. Hopefully, don't change in the upcoming week that I think we'll probably end up coming on to very very shortly as we come on to next week's fixtures. Then so it's another two game week for the O's. Uh, two league games coming up. First up, we visit Morecambe Tuesday, the fifteenth of December. This is a long, long old schlappy yes. journey. Balls uh, are much better than last season where it looked like they were going to go out of the league. Derek Adams has done a fantastic job there, to be fair to him. They are 10th in the league. They've got no relegation rivals this season. Uh, they beat Harrogate 1-0 at home on Saturday. I mean, that's going to be a tough game. Yeah, absolutely. And I think they, you know, when they were sitting pretty at the top of the league earlier in the season, everyone was like, well, we passed up Derek Adams and how is it that Morecambe on a lower budget than us are there at the top? And I think people are getting a little bit overexcited by that. They're now 10th in the league. They've won their last two games. Uh, sorry, they've out of their last five, they've won two, drawn one, lost two. Um, so before yesterday, they'd lost. So, you know, they're, they're, they're all right. 25 points on the table, two, two behind us, played the same amount of games. Yes, but if they beat us, they would go above us. So this, I think to me, that kind of game we need to win. If we're going to make it, that's the kind of game you need to go and win. So Morecambe on Tuesday, then on Saturday, the 19th of December, we are back at home. We entertain Crawley Town. So Crawley Town, again, kind of around mid-table. They're 13th in League 2. They had a good game yesterday. They beat Barrow at home 4-2. Yeah, and prior to that, they'd... Prior to that win, they've drawn two and lost two. So that's uh, that's done them the world of good. They're up to 13th in the league. They've played the same amount of games as us and 23 points. So they're four behind us. So Tuesday night is now an even more crucial game that we keep that keep that distance between us and the lower lower part of the table. Yeah, so as it stands, fans are going to the Crawley game. Um, yeah. But we, I think there's going to be some kind of announcement um, that we're hearing about going into Tier 3. If that happens, there'll obviously be no fans at that game obviously you, both games can be streamed but it would be much better to have 2,000 Orient fans behind the team so fingers crossed that fans can still go yeah. to that one so let's close the podcast in with our sponsorship reminder so do not forget for the best plastering and rendering prices around or if you want a Christmas present and you're looking around your house going we need a bit of investment in this there's no better <laughs> company to go to than AJF Plastering go visit them on their website on Facebook on Instagram on Twitter or on email for all your plastering and rendering needs. Very well put. So that is it. Thank you very much indeed for joining us for episode number 228. It was a big week for the O's with two important home fixtures as the fans returned to Brisbane Road. On Tuesday night, we were knocked out the EFL trophy by League One Bristol Rovers and the O's were unfortunate to lose 2-1. But this memory was swiftly erased as league leaders Newport County were up next. And although the first half didn't go to plan, we saw a determined and gritty battle in the second half from the O's who won 2-1 to leave fans delighted and quietly confident of a playoff push. But this week sees two very difficult games against teams just below us in the table, as we've just mentioned. The kind of games that if you win, you are to make the playoffs and push for promotion. So hopefully we'll be talking about two wins next week.
So if you're listening on iTunes, please subscribe, give our podcast a review. No reviews or star ratings in this week on iTunes. Very, very naughty of everyone listening on iTunes. If you're listening on SoundCloud, Spotify, TuneIn and Stitcher, add us to your favourites. And that way, you'll have all the podcasts available as soon as they are uploaded. We are also on all smart speakers. We're on Alexas, Echoes, anything else that's floating around out there. We are on it. So listening to the pod has got even easier. What better Christmas gift or Hanukkah gift to give someone than the Orient Outlook podcast? So make sure you do so. Next week is the last Orient Outlook podcast episode of 2020. It'll be episode 229 next week with all the information and views that you could ever need. So we look forward to hearing from you. And as always, keep calm. Enjoy Hanukkah because there's still a few nights left. Have a great week and listen to the Orient Outlook podcast. Up the O's. Everybody.